0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Imbibe from Imbibe Magazine. I'm Paul Clark, the executive editor of Imbibe, and this is episode 8 of our podcast, coming out in early November of 2020. These are interesting times in which we live. We've just held a presidential election here in the U.S. that seems destined to keep us distracted for a while longer. The ongoing COVID-19 crisis is leading to shutdowns again throughout Europe and parts of the U.S., And in this most difficult year, the wine world is experiencing its own kind of reckoning, confronting a long legacy of institutional racism. In our November-December issue, Chicago-based wine writer Chassidy Cooper talked to a number of black wine professionals about today's wine industry and the changes that need to be made. One of the individuals she spoke with is Andre Mack, a Brooklyn-based sommelier, winemaker, restaurateur, graphic designer, and educator who's no stranger to the pages of Imbibe. To delve a bit more into the story he shared and to talk about some of the challenges today's wine industry is facing, Henri Mech is joining us for this episode of the podcast. And be sure to stick around all the way to the end as we get back to wine and talk about what he's drinking these days and what you should be reaching for as we head toward the end of the year. you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you in the magazine and to talk about your work. Uh, And it's great to have you on the podcast. Now, you spoke with chastity Cooper for a feature she wrote for our November-December issue about the wine world coming to terms with its history of racism and about black wine professionals who are helping to change the industry. If you look at the larger wine world through the posts and conversations they've shared on social media, especially with the, this past summer, there seems to be this growing acknowledgement uh, about the existence of institutional racism in wine or admitting th- that this problem has existed for a long time. But as you noted to Chastity, this is nothing new. Uh, you and other in the wine community you have been talking about this for some time. How did this resurgence of attention affect you and your businesses? And, and, and how do you feel about that?
1: Um, you, know, you know, I feel a lot of different ways about it, actually. You know, I, I, I think for me, it's no different than any other part of my life. It's, you, know, you know what I mean? Like the systemic racism that that you see and face, you know, it's, on, it's in every part of my life, not just the wine industry. So going into it, to the wine industry, I never expected it to be anything different, right? You know, those are just the challenges and the things that I had to get over if I wanted to participate in life here in America, but in in things in general. So you know, it wasn't you know, so it's no different. You know, I don't I don't feel like it's any more prevalent than it is in any other parts of my life. It just it's just a thing that's there and that you know, something that I have to deal with. Um, you know, I think for you know for my business, yeah, we definitely saw an influx in business and people you know, wanting to support. Um, And I've gone on the record several times, basically, you know, I straddle the fence some days, some days to me, you know, I want to be, you know, we're right back in the same boat, right? We're being, we're being sought out (laughs) because of the color of our skin and because we're different. And just so happened, this is for good, so to speak. And the other part was for bad. Um, You know, I want to be recognized for the work that I do, no matter what I look like. And, um, you know, but I think this is a start, you know, there's, you know, lots of talented people that, you know, that have been overlooked, you know, I'm, I'm a little different, right. You know, my thing is like, you know, I, I deserve to be on in the magazine on, on this podcast or in many others like it based off the merit of my own work. And so it cheapens the experience sometimes when I have to go on and, and now I'm asked about diversity questions, but the previous guests that you had on that didn't look like me that wasn't even part of the conversation for him when it takes all of us to make that change. So, you know, it, it, it was great. You know, I'm an optimistic person and I, I, I mean, you know, for me, I just wanted to make wine. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to be around like-minded individuals that were into wine. It didn't matter what they look like. And that's, you know, that's just me in in general. And so, yeah, so it's been, it's been interesting, you know, um, (laughs) you know, it's been great. You know, I, I think for me, you know, it was something that I had to grapple with a little bit and, you know, I had to lay on the proverbial sofa and and talk it out with my therapist. But, you know, I think for me, it was a way, you know, I just had to look at it differently. And, and the way that I looked at it was well, I get a chance to show these people while I'm great. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Where, where I could have easily looked at it as, you know, this doesn't, it doesn't feel right. This sucks. Right. Like, I mean, like, I like, okay, so I made money, but like, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Is It's still about having dignity in, 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 in the way in which it's made. But, you know, like I said, I, I, I thought it was a great show of strength by the community as, as a whole. And I think the first step in anything is recognizing that there is a problem and acknowledging that and then working towards how do we, how do we make it better? And it's such a delicate conversation, you know, it's a touchy thing, you know, that I think that like, it, you know it's people don't want to bring it up because if you bring it up, then it just, it just sucks all of the air out of the room. It makes it tense. You don't know if you said the right thing. I don't know if I'm taking it the right way, (laughs) you know? And so I, I get it. And I commend everybody who, you know, who said, you know what, this, this needs to be talked about, this needs to be addressed. And I think when you go out of your way to have more diverse work environment, and community, everybody benefits from it, you know, that, and that I truly believe you should go out of your way to do it. I mean, it just broadens your horizon. And, and, you know, I just think, I think it just makes you a better person. And so that, that's kind of how I felt about the whole thing, you know, where it was just like, you know, it was a world when there was a lot of stuff going on and, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, this attention was, was right at our door. You, you know what I mean? Like people were ordering wine, blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. And, but it's been great. I've had a chance to connect with, with, with a lot of people who've, um, who supported us, you know, and it's that funny, it's like, oh, wow, like, this is good. And, you know, and I'm always careful about, you know, the, the label black owned, you know, in some ways, you know, it does feel like when you, when, when you're labeled that, that non-people of color feel like that, that what you made is only for black people. And that is not true. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, I make wine (laughs) for anybody who wants to drink wine. Right. You know, and that notion that, that it's a black owned business means that they only made those things for blacks is, is absurd. So, you know, I mean, it, it, I think there's a a lot of good that is going to come out of it. A lot of awareness and, you know, and we just got to keep with the same energy, you know, as definitely as you start to see things taper off, but you know, our attention, uh, you know, their attention span, you know, people are back at grabbing at our attention, you know, before it really took the world to come to a, a complete standstill we couldn't ride, you know, we didn't have the things that we normally have to, um, I wouldn't say put our head in the sand, but, you know, to divert our attention. You know, sports was was a place for many people that, you know, it was devoid of politics in a way, right? You didn't have to think about the world. It, it was escapism. Same with movies, like couldn't really go to the theater anymore you couldn't do that. And you're, you know, you're stuck in front of your your television and and watching these images. And I feel like it, you know, it did, you know, it, it was a pivotal moment in our society. Let's hope so. And I felt like there was lots of change that, that continues to happen. Um, But also I I do know that, you know, as I was going to say, as COVID (laughs) kind of slows down, which is not the case. um, It feels like, you know, You know our tensions. You know those things that took our attention, took our took our attention to span away is you know is is starting to come back. Sports, movies, those things, people, things that people use to to escape the world. You know the world's a daunting place, and I think a lot of people in their daily lives that you know they. They don't want to have to listen to the world's problems. I mean, you know, it's it's hard, but um, I'm great. I'm I I. It was it was it's awesome. It still is awesome. It's been awesome. Um, you know, like I said, I got to introduce you know what we do to to uh, to a lot of people, and that, you know that then that's always satisfying.
0: One of the things that you said, one of the things you pointed out was that this has prompted this conversation to come up again. And really kind of the conversation is holding our attention for, for a long time now. I mean, we're having this conversation early November uh, and really, you know, starting with with the protest over Memorial Day and coming all the, all the way through the summer. This has been front and center to one degree or another within discussions, within the hospitality industry, within the wine industry. I know within, you know, cocktail circles, spirit circles, beer world, you name it. The hospitality industry has experienced many months of shutdowns and restrictions, uh, as you're pointing out, to try and stop the spread of the coronavirus. And it seems like these restrictions are going to continue for the foreseeable future to one degree or another. When we talk about how bars and restaurants ultimately emerge from this crisis and what the hospitality industry looks like, from your perspective, having worked in it for a long time, how can the industry fulfill some of these commitments? to inclusivity and, and equity that they've made over the past few months? How can we keep this a part of the conversation going forward?
1: I mean, act, 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 act on, you know, put actions to those words. I think right now it's just been a lot of talk, right. Just because, you know, the industry is in, enable, right. You know, like it's, you know, it's, we can't move and we're operating at 25%. And uh, I mean, I don't know what it is in other States, maybe 50%, stuff like that. But um, I think, I, I think you, you, stay true to your word and, and you, you act on those words. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, it was like more inclusion, um, you know, but you have, you have to do the work. You have to go out and find those people. Right. And when you, when you think, when you think about it, it's like, you know, I had this conversation with someone and they said, well, I've never seen any people of color (laughs) come apply. Right. And I said, well, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a bigger issue too. Right. But, it would be in your best interest to go out of your way or even create you know you know for lack of a better term a farm team you know we promote within and and that's always been something that's that's really great. Someone who already knows the system to to some degree or another, uh, and bringing them up the ra- the ranks and being able to promote from within is is a great way to start. Because a lot of a lot of the front of the house pres- positions and or desirable positions aren't held by you know people of color. So you know generally they're in the back of the house or you know those kind of things. And being able to pr- bring them up in the system, but I think just promoting from within and and going out of your way to recruit to to recruit a more diverse um, staff and, and, and putting them in positions of power. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It put them in positions positions of, of, of responsibility. And I think, you know, that shows everybody, you know, I guess that, you know, f- for me, you know, I don't wave a big flag and say, ah, oh, you know, this is me, you know, this is me and this, and that kind of sense. But, I, but I realized that my visibility and being able to be visible, you know, resonates with a lot of people who look like me because this is a, one of the few times that they've ever seen anybody do that looked like them that did something. And and there's, and there's real power in that. Um, there's real power when you see somebody that looks like you doing it because you think now you believe it's for you. Now, you know, you think it's, you can accomplish it. And, and so I, I always, you know, I always talk about promote those people and promote them within the ranks, but also promote them within the industry, you know, giving them, you know, visibility, giving them some shine, Right. You know, not and I'm talking about deserved, not just because they are right. No one, no one wants anything for free. Right. You know, that was kind of the conversation. You know, I was sitting, people asked me to be on the boards of all these new committees and all these things that they're, they're creating. And, you know, and someone says, well, you know, they're not getting a free trip to, you know, some, some one wine region. I said, but they don't want a free trip. Right. They want to earn the, <laughs> they want to earn the right. No one, no one's a, no one wants a freeloader. Right. Like it wants to be. Right, and so they just want the opportunity to show that they that they that that they can do the work, and I, you know, so I just think like from promoting with any like you've got to go seek out those people. You know, that was a hard thing for me to realize. It's like, well, wait a minute, like if they're not coming here, so then that means they don't want to work here, and then you start to think you're like, but why do they not want to work here, right? You know, and and you know maybe it's a comfort thing and and that kind of and that kind of thing, but you know, I I'm anxious to see what it what it looks like and and how those things could be implemented you know right off the top of my head i you know i would say you know it's actions on on the words and the commitments and i think it you know it's a slow thing you know i think at the beginning we talked a lot about scholarships and those kind of things to to get the education level to where it needs to be as far as the product and, and the level in which you can work in in certain restaurants uh and then i think you see the windfall and the harvest from that later on right you know you know what i mean like in our restaurants, we're just acting, we're acting on it. We're hiring people, we're giving them, you know, authority and responsibility and giving them, giving them opportunities, right. Giving them a real opportunity and, and, you know, just talking to, you know, talking to them, and saying, you know, this industry changed my life, right. I had it, you know, I fought it for a long time because I thought I was going on to bigger and better things. And I left to go and do that bigger and better thing. And I realized what I really loved was underneath my nose the whole time. And, you know, I think a lot of people from the outside looking in, you know, look at my life and I said, you know, everything that's been given, you know, everything that I've earned, you know, has come through the hospital- hospitality industry and you know, it's a great industry to be in.
0: We've been talking about the hospitality industry directly in terms of bars and restaurants, but there's also in the wine world, there's this whole kind of infrastructure and background from the production side to the education side. You know, in, in the story in the magazine, Chastity goes into the court of master sommeliers and talking about some of the issues there. And just within recent days, we've seen with the New York Times reporting on sexual harassment allegations within the court of master sommeliers, followed a few days later by suspensions of seven individuals and resignation of one of the court's co-founders. When we're looking at today's wine industry culture and ways to build it in a more positive direction overall, how can organizations like the court and other parts of this overall wine infrastructure build a program, build an approach that can help prevent such situations from developing again in the future? How can we be transparent about it and make it a positive industry for everyone?
1: Well, I think, you know, for the court, I think it started out as, quote unquote, a boys club, right? And I think, and then and then, make, making a switch to it being one of the most influential, you know, wine issuing authorities, that just wasn't handled well, right? You you know what I mean? It's like uh And so they didn't, I don't think that they had the proper things in place. I don't know if they had HR or or whatever, you know, I just, I just feel like they were stricken with growing and not really being able to, to, to grow in the way of like, there was just no transparency at all and throughout the whole thing, in my opinion. So the idea that you would take a test, that's all verbal and then no one would tell you what you got wrong. That was always an issue for me, but also it didn't, you know, it, it, if it was going to be a professional organization, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say, it to me felt like it started out as a boys' club. Like, hey, we're going to be doing you know this thing, and you know we're going to take this test and do this thing. But once it started to become a more professional, you know, organization, you know, I started to question. Well, how come we don't teach the business of wine, right? In that, and that really what it is. I mean, just because you could memorize all the regions in the Jura doesn't mean that you can actually run a five million dollar wine program when you don't even own a checkbook right and so i that was my thing and every other and in, in, in every other professional group i.e real estate attorneys there's always continuing education and that was so, you know i questioned these things years ago you know so um and so i think i and i said i think they got caught in the whole idea of there wasn't enough transparency at the beginning um, and also, I would say hire more w- women. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. There's always—I mean, unfortunately, there's always going to be this kind of stuff in where there's where there's power, right? Where where there's where there's power. I mean, I'd hate to say it, but like, I mean, we saw this happen at CBS. We saw this happen at Fox News. Like, it is something that runs rampant. And I think within our industry, you know, it's you know, it's a double-edged sword because you are talking about alcohol. You know, alcohol is isn't, is involved in these situations. And so I think just, you know, having more transparency overall, but you know, it just, it just felt like the organization wasn't built off that from the beginning with. And so the idea of being able to tear it down and rebuild it, I, I think is what needs to happen. And I think, And I think that you need to, you need a more diverse, you know, board of directors and, you know, you just can't have, you know, you just can't have the fraternization like that. Just, I think a lot of that stuff was suspect for years now. And, you know, now it's, now it's coming to light. I think the organization does have a purpose uh, and they, we should actually get back to that.
0: Years ago, you were working for a Citigroup, correct? Uh, and then you made the yes. step back to, to to working with wine because, as you said earlier, it was something that was right in front of you. It was something that was something that you loved. What was the enthusiasm for wine you had at that time that prompted you to, to go back to it? And where do you find that kind of enthusiasm now? What keeps you excited about wine and working with wine today?
1: It was watching old episodes of Frasier that really gave me the enthusiasm to have wine in my life. Not not that from watching that show, I ever thought that I would be in the position that I am now or do the things that I get to do now. I, you know, I think was going through a hard time. You know, this is, you know, the job that you always thought you wanted. And when you finally got it, you realized that this can't be what the rest of my life looks like. And then, you know, and then so you quit, you know, you know they were laying people off and because there was a merger and I decided to take severance. And at that moment in in time in life, you know uh, you're watching this TV show, and these two brothers' interaction with sherry and their drinking club and talking about wine really made me feel like I was missing out in life and and like and to, on all honesty, like it was the missing link. I was like, oh man, if I just had wine, you know you know then my life wouldn't be so horrible, you know that kind of thing but it was it was that show that gave me the courage to walk into a wine shop for the first time and have wine in my life and then I went to go work back in restaurants, and then I started to work in restaurants that actually had real wine lists, and that's what got me excited. And I was like, man, there's just so much to know here, so much to do here. But, you know, it was just, it was amazing. And, like, the fact that you could study all day and read about regions, color your maps, do all that, but then you can crack open a bottle of wine and somehow be transported there. I was I was mesmerized. And I think like a lot of people are when they talk about catching the wine bug and that was it, you know, and I was off to the races. I spent every waking moment immersing myself in in that world. And I think today it's just different, you know, And you know, it's wrapped up in a lot more other things like the idea of being an entrepreneur, right. You know, that kind of thing that the, the idea of like what social media is and um, the more exciting, there's a lot more young winemakers and cool regions out there. Um, people doing different things with grapes and the way they inoculate, you know, all those things are like, well, I was going to cuss there. It is so awesome. And, you know, and I just, you know, I, and to be honest, I think I really feed off the energy of just, more people in the industry, more people creating their own culture in their in their own world, you know very much like I felt like for me i wasn 't trying to go out and convert anybody i I wanted to combine my worlds together you know i you know, like i said you know i I grew up on skateboarding, listened to hip hop and punk rock and and fell in love with wine, and to be able to kind of put the, all of those things together felt authentically me, and to be able to create a subculture around that. You know was 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 fun and, and still is but like now it's great to see now you see it within um natural wine you know movement and and the and and those clusters of different people how they you know they have the way that they talk about things you know there's you know there's no way to build you know there's great ways to build culture but really around t-shirts and and taking the stigmatism out of wine and i you know and i i think for me i feed off that energy and still push the limits. You know, I, I, I want to, I just want to do stuff just to do them so that other people know that it could be done. I mean, I made a video game. I made a wine video game that you can download on your phone. Right. And it was just because we wanted to have fun and you have a children's
0: book. You have a culinary children's book. And I yeah. thought that was so cool. Or a coloring yeah. book. Excuse me. I thought that was so cool yeah, to yeah, see that. Yeah. It's really kind of taking this, this notion of wine culture. And it's not just being a sommelier. It's not just being a winemaker. You can do one of those. You can do both of those. You can be a graphic designer. Um, you can uh, be a restaurateur. You can, you can have places like Son's, your hambar bar in Brooklyn. You can take this in so many different directions. And it really kind of um, you know just creates this whole interesting life for yourself.
1: No, absolutely. It's, you know, we call it three, 360 degree hospitality. Like we're totally immersed in it. And I think it could be all of it or one part of it. And the fact that like, you know, I was telling someone, it's like, I knew a lot more about wine than I did graphic design. And that, and that's what made my designs resonate with wine people. But I knew at some point there was going to be somebody who came along who had, you know, had more, had more graphic design knowledge and had a little bit of wine knowledge and was gonna realize like, wow, there's a place for me in the wine business, right? You know, to, to, to design, to do. And now I think across all industries now, because like, you know, that saying is pretty true. Like you are what you do, plus a media company, right? <laughs> so like, you know, so you're putting out <laughs> content and you're doing that. So, so what, whatever you like, whatever, say hey, I'm a restaurateur, but you're also a media company. And, you know, it's so funny, like with all of our stuff, it's like, wow, like you definitely need a graphic design team as you start to put out different content, not, you know, each for like your different businesses, but also for each individual channel. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, for me, I, it, I thought like, you know, and you know, I've spoken, I delivered keynote speeches to design conference, which is something that I would, I thought I would never do. Right. I mean, are you kidding me? But the idea is that, you know, for a lot of designers, designing a wine label is on their bucket list. And I was like, oh my God, if you guys only knew you could start you could start working there right away. Like <laughs> they need help. They need help. I mean, I mean, they can pay you wine at a start, but like they need help. We need help within the industry. And and you know, now it's starting to 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 go that, you know, you're starting to see a lot of that kind of stuff happening. And for me, I think at the beginning, I didn't really want to work with anybody who had, that was in wine I was more interested in other, other industries and collaborate, doing collaborations with them because I felt like when you really get down to it, it's about lifestyle. And, you know, if we can do something with, you know, a childhood favorite like Vans or, or, you know, it just different to team up and to do different things. You know, I, I thought that that really added diversity to, to the industry, it showed a different side that like it didn't it wasn't always about a guy in a suit with an ascot, you know, talking about wine, drinking wine or appreciating wine, that it could be some kid with thick rim glasses and a beanie on and a T-shirt that doesn't really fit could could command the room and talk about talk about wine, but also could talk about food and let's travel the world and eat at some of the best restaurants in the world, you know, it, it, it like, I'm not the image of what people would think a person would be that did all those things, and I wanted to, I wanted to change that.
0: Now you said in in response to our first question, we're talking about issues of you know social issues of, of wine and hospitality, race issues to wine and hospitality. But when are we talking about wine? And so actually, the last question I had for you is, you know, it's November of 2020. We're in autumn of 2020. We're heading into a very different holiday season than any of us have ever, have ever experienced in our lives. What should we be drinking? What should we have in the house?
1: Drink it all because it's all going to get burnt down. (laughs) No, I am not a Debbie Downer. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, celebrate everything. I mean, for me, you know, I drink at least a bottle of champagne a week. At least. You know, so that's one of my favorite regions. So always, and it never has to be a special occasion. The special occasion is because you decided to open it. Uh, and And that makes that, you know, I've been drinking a lot of old, you know, I mean, this is, you know, this is the the geeky side, but I drink a lot of old American wine, you know, just, you know, we reopen the, the hand bar back at 25%. Um, so I, you know, get a chance to drink a lot of those. We just, you know, just had a beautiful bottle of, um, Ridge 1989 Paso Robles Zinfandel, which was just off the charts. It's a you know, just a stunner all the way up to like, you know, drinking some Gamay Noir from PAX uh, one of my favorite white wines right now is Morgan Long Chardonnay. Um, you know, some, some classics, but you know, I, I, I drift off, you know, for me, I just like to be excited. Right. You know what I mean? Like this stuff, like when other people are excited, they're like, Hey, Andre, can I stop by and see, I got like this incredible wine. I'm like, yeah, sure. I just, like, I may not be able to like talk for like long, but I, yeah, I want, I want, I want to taste what you're tasting. And if, and you're, and if you're excited and want to come all the way out of here, then, you know, I'm excited, but you know, here, you know, in the winter, Generally, you know, white roans are my favorite. This is white roan season to me, you know, Viognier, a little um Hermitage Blanc, you know, just like in that in that right white, white realm from there, um is the is my favorite time of the year. So a little bit more heavier whites is what I kind of lean towards. Last night we had um we had we we're drinking a little bit of Syrah from uh, Santa Barbara. So champagne, champagne every damn day. So I say you drink champagne, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that, that's probably that's probably my go-to right now. White Rhone, champagne, you know, and crack open those bottles that uh, that you've been saving for a rainy day. You just, you just you just never know.
0: This is the time to open those bottles, definitely. Andre Mack, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it, and thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Paul. Anytime.
0: Check out our website and this episode's notes for more details about Andre Mack and his work. You can find us online at imbibemagazine.com and keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to hear future episodes. And if you're not already a subscriber to the print and or digital issues of Imbibe, then we can help you with that. Just follow the link in the episode notes and become a subscriber today. This is Paul Clark from Imbibe Magazine. I'll be back with you again soon. Thanks for listening in and take care of yourselves.